Hello, hello, and a third hello. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. Today marks the last day of our Court of Blades one-shot, the tabletop RPG of courtly drama, power, politics, magic, peril, and romance. If you're liking Court of Blades and you would like to support a couple of drakes, do check out their Kickstarter. You've got 48 hours left. If you back now, you'll get all the amazing stretch goals as well. So definitely go check it out. With all that out of the way, let's get on to the episode. Yon. Of our blade shall shine before the day is done. For the sake of our name, our houses shall not melt. We shall not have solace till the social hour is done. There are enemies in our city in the world, along with our grand and canny retainers, and we are at just a beautiful ball, a entertainment that nobody in their right mind would miss, to include the dead themselves, or on the dance floor, rising amidst our retainers and all of the movers and shakers of Ilrian, the dearly departed are beginning to pull themselves upright seeking out their family members and those who have wronged them in life at the behest we can only imagine of the cult, the Sevenfold Veils. So, I know that Magpie is on the dance floor in the arms of Arcturus Elanda, and to keep herself from screaming, she just bit her lip, and a little rivulet of blood has dropped onto the hand that is reaching up for her from the cobblestones. Nightingale, you're, uh, just proposed the entertainment of um, magpies to sample all of the goblets which were poisoned. So we'll find out who was on the uh, on the chopping block momentarily. What are you guys doing? Like how how does what is the typical Ilrian reaction to the dead now walking amongst you? Um, on on nights like tonight in particular, where the dead are usually summoned up, I think that. It's almost to be expected, especially amongst the the nobles, where there's so many naughty things that happen. More more inter- there's more interest to, amongst the ghosts in coming back to to see vengeance and whatnot. So I think there's a little bit of of expectation, but I don't think anybody's ever seen them coming through the floors before and looking quite so menacing. Usually it's very much a you know someone walks in type of situation. Now we're all looking at the floor, and um, Nightingale is at a loss. She's looking and like she she was feeling pretty good about having diffused the issue with the the poison. It's now a fun game. Yes, very fun. And um, now there's hands reaching through the floor and just her face is like kind of this, like stuck in this like smile, but it's kind of terrifying. She does it. I don't know how to fix this. (laughs) It's like when you ask the teacher for help and the teacher doesn't even know how to help. (laughs) Yeah. 
And usually it's a very, very calm and orderly procession led by the graces down from the Necropolitan Hill and spirits peel off from behind the ringing bells of the lady. But this time they're coming up in battalions and they are outnumbering the living on the dance floor right now. And it's far too many dead. Something is awry. What's going on? Is this a one day out of the year this happens? Correct. Makes sense. I guess I forgot what day it was. Because every day, this time of year, I lock myself in. And every time there's a rapping at the door, I try and keep myself asleep. Here's my question. All of the dead that are rising, like they... Typically, in, in a noble house like this, it'll be the, the masked forebears, people who, who you know, led the house in times past. This seems far too many to uh, even be like all of the families that ever inhabited this home. Most of them are barefaced and most of them look terrified. Most of them are like have their faces drawn back in this horrid rictus. And then they all kind of as one turn toward the, the high table and something dark and terrible that is crouching there behind the Lavelle, herself, herself. Uh-oh. None of them are, are taking their eyes off this hungry darkness that isn't even resolving itself into a form yet. I think that you three can see it. I don't know that anybody else can yet. What was the name of that person that Clemenza mentioned a while ago? Uh, the ancient evil. That would be the Deathless, the Sorcerer General of the Dread Emperor. There we go. Yes. Do we think this is this is some portion of the Deathless's power manifesting here? I think, at least for Sparrow, Sparrow doesn't notice everything as immediately as Magpie and Nightingale does because she's more concerned about what Pierre, what's happening to Pierre. So I don't know. Would Nightingale kind of grab my attention, or because I'm just trying to scab at Pierre <laughs> on a table still. No, no, most certainly. I think that um, like I'll look over and see that you're distracted and grab your shoulders and just slowly rotate you toward the spectacle at the head table and go, um, darling, this is your field, yes? <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> the darkness is moving, but it's not moving toward the Lavelle. What does it want? It's moving toward Captain Rignol. The condottier, the uh, the captain of Renewal's rovers, this decorated war veteran. This uh, he kind of has like a halfway, like a halfway point between like a stern, upright military man of honor and like a pirate prince. He's got these oiled ringlets and this like slash duble, and he's very elegantly dressed. And he's got this heavy, hefted bladed war sword still on his hip, and he's afforded the courtesy of wearing this this weapon of war and this thing is moving toward him. What do you do? Can we see that it's clearly moving towards the captain? I think you can. I I think I respond to Nightingale. I say, I, I don't I don't know, but we need to stop him. It. Stop it. And I run <laughs> across the hall to where I think it's going, if only to be able to at least shield him with some ward or something like that. Yes, stop it. But what do I do? And then she just looks around. She's like, um, are there any mercies here? That's a really good question. Mercy is the uh, the you know order of monster hunters, right? Like the uh, basically the the settings equivalent to like witchers, right? Could I yeah, to answer that question? Could I have a flashback? Because I've got Anisha as one of my contacts, and she's a mercy. And I think 
in hindsight, I feel like given the stakes of tonight's party and what I heard from the Sevenfold Veils, I would most definitely have employed her assistance at the very least to be just consult just show up have some canapes if nothing happens i'll owe you another one right free food yeah exactly i think that 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 makes perfect sense i'll only charge you one stress to have anisha there what is your relationship with anisha like i think it's quite a complicated and amusing relationship because i think i was involved in i was involved with one of the creatures that she was tasked with destroying I was more intrigued by the creature's existence and I wanted to use it for magical and scientific means. And she wanted to destroy it. Even though we butted heads, I think through that interaction, we both kind of saved each other's lives. And one way or another, we ended up seeing each other a lot afterwards uh, because we frequented the same illicit social circles and like through interaction developed a bond of trust. It's not like so there's a little bit of like the buddy cop in there, but not necessarily. We were not friends, but we worked together on occasion. I'm yeah, like the straight yeah, man yeah. to your so, uh, to, to your like loose cannon, right? Yeah, a bit antagonistic, but not really. More butting heads for the principle of the matter. Um, kind of almost like the dynamic the aviary has going for them. We may insult each other, but we're still sisters. You're there for each other when it counts. Exactly. I thought you were going a completely different direction when you said you were involved with the creature, and I was like, <laughs> I did too. I was like, oh, this is one of those RPGs, huh? <laughs> How scandalous. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe. But that's for Sparrow to know and for you all to never find out. Yeah, I think for one stress, uh, and I will actually be, absolutely be there. So in in my estimation, like... If she can see this thing, she's probably in motion. Does that does that check with you? She, yeah, she's she's yeah, um, definitely. I think that as as she's running in that direction, like you've got a moment to like hear her as, as she turns and like over her shoulder, find what's drawing it, get it out of here, and then uh, then she's off. While that's happening, Nightingale, I want you to um, to to tell me you're fairly familiar with swords as a Bravo, right? Of course. Okay. What is uh, Captain Rignol doing with a saber forged by the Dread Emperor? Getting himself into quite a bit of trouble. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Um, it's got this kind of look to it. It, it has almost like, uh, he's wearing it in just like a frog. Like the, uh, it, it's not a full sheath or anything like that. It's um, one of these things that it just rides at his, at his hip with the, the single curved edge showing and it's it looks like it would cut silence it is flashing sharp but it's got this strange almost like veined pattern welded blade so it's kind of this deep oily green metal with this shot through of silver like it's clearly he's wearing it because the most impressive thing he owns and as like a, a pirate prince that's that's saying a lot and as the mercy, Anisha, is in, in motion. This darkness is reaching out toward this saber. What do you do? I mean, I think the fir- well, if I may, I, I think the first thing, once I reach um, the captain, I-, I don't know about this. So the very first thing I would say is, excuse me, captain, as you can see, never mind. The important thing is that that's the Dread Emperor and... Do you have anything that belongs to him or that he would want? Because um, I really shouldn't be needing to say this so many times in one night, but you could die now. I believe that's important. 
I'm gonna lean over and, Maggie, no one charms swords like you do. Don't you want to go see to this? I think for the very first time, you see Magpie completely stock still and stone silent. It's until you say something that she just doesn't recognize what's going on. It's almost like catatonic shock. Is it because your mother's hand is wrapped around your foot? <sighs> In particular. <laughs> I remember the grip. Full of hate. Yeah, it's not a, not a friendly contact. Why is she so angry? I never lived up to expectations. <laughs> but she certainly died to mine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's why. Um, I think that this grip, like before you before you have a chance to extricate yourself, I think you're gonna take a level two harm here. Her touch burns you. And again, remember, if this is a consequence that you have no interest in uh, in in playing through, you can you can resist. This is just gonna be resisted with spirit. So that's a tough one. So not knowing the system guide me as a new player a little bit, if I may. Absolutely. Uh, so resistance rolls anytime I tell you to suffer a consequence, and this could be any consequence. This could be, you know, I didn't get there in time. I, uh, I didn't have the thing that I needed. Any of these, any of these consequences, you can say, I am a canny retainer. I'm prepared for this kind of thing. Uh, and you say, I'm resisting that. At that point, I will ask you to roll a resistance roll using your body, mind, or spirit pool. And that, again, is however many dots you have on the left of that little line there. Uh, you'll roll that many dice, and then your highest value is subtracted from six, and you pay that much stress. So you could roll a six and resist for free. You could roll two sixes and actually get a point of stress back. Or you can roll a one, take five stress, and cry. Or you can roll one and get five stress and what? cry. What? Okay. <laughs> But when you resist, you tell me how you were prepared or obviate the harm or any number of other things. You also have special armor that you can resist things with. In this case, it might be, you know, the knack having arcane armor to, uh, or not arcane armor, but uh, special armor to resist a consequence dealing with the arcane. Again, you just say that I'm the knack. I'm prepared for this. I warded my friends before this thing. And we just, you burn your special armor and that's, that's the end of it. You know what? Okay, let's... I, I have an idea. Let's see how we can roll with it. Okay, I love that. A small pricey gift, and specifically it reads, You never show up anywhere empty-handed. Say what you brought and why you chose it. I keep with me, at all times, my mother's bracelet. Ooh. It's a constant reminder, and it is what I like to call my albatross. And so... Rather than her reaching up towards me, I would instead like to try and drop it in her hand. <laughs> Mark the item off your gear. I'll give you an extra die on your resistance roll for this. All right, then it's the two pips I normally have and then one bonus die, correct? Correct. All right, let's see if I can keep this six train rolling. I believe in you. Fingers crossed you haven't let us down yet. Oh, it's nice. Oh, it's real oh, good. Oh, there we go. So out of your first three there, um, because you're going to get that, that single bonus die for spirit. You had a five, so it's only going to cost you one stress to wriggle out of uh, her reach as you drop this bracelet in her hand. Yes, you, you managed to get away before her touch can burn you. 
Arturus is looking down at uh, at this hand that now is clutching this uh, this bracelet and is retreating back down under these stones, pulling it along with her. Slippery one as ever, mother. So Sparrow, you are you are talking at uh, at, at Captain Renewal mm-hmm. just a mile a minute, and he's got a glass like half half raised to his mouth. The the magpie has already uh, has already had its way with his his goblet. And he's got it halfway up to his lips and he's looking at you just sort of askance because the things that you've been saying are frankly ridiculous, right? There's a darkness coming for you. He's like, he looks over at the lapel. He's like, is this perhaps one of your um, fortune tellers? Is there something that you are trying to tell me, mamzelle? And the Lavelle, just imperious, like alabaster, uh, dama mask, full face, a wide, like, not cloth, a cloth of gold and um, set with pearls, a corona around her head. She um, blinks, like, sagaciously behind her mask and in this kind of old, kind of reedy voice. I only retain those who are exceptional, Captain. Give her heed. If there is something dark, I am certain that Sparrow will tell us all about it. Go on, Sparrow. I I think that stops me in midst my tracks, and I take a moment and say, Captain, there is the Dread Emperor coming after you, not any one of us, you, because you must have something that he has, or something that he needs. What is that? Because you will die if we do not take it away from you. At this point, like, Anisha has, like, jumped onto the dais, like the high table, and she has pulled from her, uh, from her belt a pistol. It's a single-shot flintlock pistol, uh, silver-chased barrel and everything. It has the mark of the mercies on it. And she is drawing it level, and it looks for a moment as if she is pulling it on the Lavelle. She's pointing, you know, she's pointing over the shoulder, but somebody cries, gun! Hold on. (laughs) My immediate reaction is, no, it's fine. (laughs) Um, But I don't think that helps much. I don't know. Is it? Does it help? I think right now that it's a uh, desperate situation. Um, what's the captain? Does the captain respond at all in in the midst of all this chaos? Yeah, he's he's got his mouth open. He's... He's put he's put his uh, goblet down and he's turned to regard you and Anisha is kind of on the the very edge of his sight line. So as he hears gun, like he's turning, but he was in the midst of offering like a reply, like, well, I'm sure I probably I, I'm not sure what all this is about, but obviously the lady believes in. But as gun is uh, is said, like he stands and like the chair behind him falls back and his hand is dipping for this sword these tendrils of dark energy are moving toward. Oh, so I can... Would it be fair to say that I kind of know that both his hand and the tendrils are going towards the sword? Correct. Yes, both both of those are happening simultaneously, but right now you have a ugly choice. Your friend is in trouble. Anisha is uh, currently in a moment of, um, of tension, Ooh. and Renyol is going to put his hand on a sword that whatever darkness it is that is lingering behind the table, he's also about to make contact with. Do you think you can save them both? Is anyone pointing their guns or swords at Anisha, or...? So I think that um, the cleverly spotted condados in the, um, in the crowd, the mercenaries that Nightingale has been, been watching all night, are like 
throwing back cloaks and reaching for weapons, and uh, they look like they're about to spring forward to, you know, defend their hostess. So you don't think Anisha is going to be killed immediately. But a lot can happen here in a moment. Oh, that's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is an evil choice you have placed before me. Um, you have you have friends. I'm sure that your friends might be able to help you out in some way. So without a doubt, if Sparrow has to choose, she'll choose Anisha. Um, her friends come first, as with her sisters. I'm just thinking, would she have time to throw the sword somewhere else before running towards Anisha? I don't know. Um, I think in this moment, this is uh, this is one of those hard choices where you have to decide whether you're you're going to throw in with your friend or else lunge at somebody who is in the midst of trying to draw their sword. Okay. I think you can get the sword away from him. I, I believe in you. But at the same moment, like, your your friend might be in some real dire straits here in a moment. Captain of the Guard is up here on this dais. Captain of the Guard is armed. Isn't the captain... The captain of the Guard is who we're, like, trying to get the, the sword The captain out. of a mercenary company is the one who is reaching for his sword. The captain of the House Guard, your, your Lavelle soldiery, is here as well. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I would run towards Anisha to kind of defend her, but I would like to shout out uh, to Magpie and Nightingale. I just, the sword, get the sword, it's the key! Pointing at the unique sword at Captain Renewal's hip. Yeah, um, I think that, that that message definitely is, you know, able to reach the ears of your coterie. What are you going to do to... to, to Save Anisha here, because she's drawing down on this uh, this dark thing, and she's got her finger on the trigger. You're watching, like, the hammer descend. I wonder. Could I... How far can a vulgar display of power go in terms of um, what I can do? What do you want your vulgar display of power to do? I, I want... The end goal is to stop Anisha from being shot at. But how I do that in terms of power, perhaps... Uh, that's how... I guess that... Okay, I'll suggest something and you tell me if it's too overpowered or if it, if that's just beyond... I'm going to tell you something right now. I've, I've run this game quite a few times, but every time somebody has ever told me that they're making a vulgar display of power, whatever they say is perfect. Okay. In that case, let's just go chaotic, full chaotic. I would like there to be this tornado of sorts made out of all the food and the objects around, just created around Anisha, not damaging her in any way, but protecting her um, from any oncoming barrage that may go towards her. Like, it's this huge tornado of wind and cutlery and knives and all sorts of things. Yeah, um, that's, that's what happens. Um, go ahead and mark your... Go ahead and mark your vulgar display of power. Yep. I think that uh, if you want her to be able to shoot out still and maybe damage whatever it is that is about to take possession of Renewal, if you want her to be able to still be an effective mercy here uh, while this is happening, while she's protected, I'm going to need you to make a channel roll. Is that something that you're interested in? Yep. Yeah. It's going to be desperate only because you're pumping an awful lot of magical energy out right now. You're throwing down the mojo like none other. It's desperate, but with your vulgar display of power, you have standard effect. Standard, brilliant. Uh, zero bonus die, so cool. Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay. It's a three. Not that great. That's fine. Uh, what this means is that everybody is now looking at the house knack, who has also apparently gone rogue. Uh, I'm going to give you <laughs> social harm, level three. Yep. You are going to be... Um, I think that this is going to be level three social harm, Faithless. Ooh. 
Okay. I believe you mentioned that I could you can resist. resist. Yes. <laughs> you absolutely can. Exactly what yeah. I was thinking. Uh, so this is mind, I think, because you are in this moment as you are summoning up this uh, this storm. You are making it clear that the way you're you're conducting yourself, you are apprehending Anisha right now. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. Go ahead and roll yep. that resistance. Course, I press mind. Uh, I wonder, is there anything I can do to get a bonus die, or you can push yourself? Yeah, I think I will. Or I can offer you a lady's favor. What's the lady's favor in this situation? Do tell, GM. Well, <laughs> I think the lady's favor here is that uh, the convocation that is happening in the basement below the ballroom comes to its climax. And the thing behind the altar is going to get stronger. Cool, so I can't take that, but I'll push myself um, instead. Okay. Is that just one stress, or...? So when you push yourself, it's two stress. Two stress, cool. That's one bonus die, and fingers crossed, 4-3-3. So take two stress for that 4-3-3. Your highest is a 4, 6 minus 4 is 2. My, you know, elementary school arithmetic still serves me well. <laughs> you got it, you got it. Okay, and uh, there's a general relaxation, and you hear Anisha's, like inarticulate scream of rage from inside the uh, from inside the tornado the food and cutlery and things like that and Renewal's hand settles on his sword and there's like a jerk almost as if he's been hit by something Nightingale tell me tell me real quick have you ever seen Renewal fight? Oh he's a staple within the city and I am Ilrian I've been here my entire life so there's no way I have not seen him fight He's typically like a mercenary fighting fighting on the behalf of uh, the Ilrian city-state as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. He's one of the prince's favorites. Mm-hmm. Aspitalia loves this guy. Where, where did you see him fight? Like in the Court of Blades or? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. So the Court of Blades is, the, the titular Court of Blades is um, where like the greatest duels of honor in the city are fought. And so it's sort of almost like a coliseum kind of thing. And... I guess Rignol has settled some accounts there and acquitted himself well, clearly, because he's still alive, right? What is his tell that he's about to do something rash and bloody? Oh, um, that's interesting. I, I think that, I don't know. I don't think that there's a tell like you would expect. I think that um, he's he's really like a viper. So That's what makes him dangerous. That's what makes him, he, he, he stalks still, you're not sure what he's going to do, and then it's already over. Love that. You're going to hate it. Okay. So he's he's turned like you can tell that like he's looks like he just got like jerked real quick and his hand is still on on that sword. And his other hand goes down and grabs the wine goblet again and he's in the he's in the midst of bringing it up to his lips. Oh, no. And there's this moment kind of frozen in time. What do you think the worst thing that could happen right now is? I don't want to give you that ammunition. I'm asking, because what I'm thinking is probably worse. <laughs> the Dread Emperor takes over the captain's body? Yeah, I have this terrible, terrible feeling that he, that's the poison goblet and he, there's some um, death requirement here. Yeah. It's like you're in my head. So can I scare him <laughs> before he drinks it? I don't know. Can you? You're fast. I'm fast. I'm very I'm fast-ish. You've also got Code Dwello. Like, there's a moment where... You might be able to, like, call out a challenge to this dead, crypt-bound thing and keep its attention long enough to figure a way out of this. Oh. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, that, that, feels, that feels like a, a very str- um, 
new and different use for that particular skill. So I'm going to attempt to distract a decrepit creature with... It's a decrepit creature riding along inside of Renewal. So I'm hoping he's still in his faculties enough to accept a challenge before he drinks from the glass. I mean, Code Dwello, you, you have to accept. Yeah. Like, that is, that is Ilrian. That's, that's how that works, right? Mm-hmm. What does an Ilrian challenge look like, Nightingale? Um, I think, I think it's exactly what you want from, from a, a dashing swordsman. I think that it's very, um, like, it's loud and it's boisterous. And you can, even over the, like, Beauty and the Beast dinner scene that's happening around, like, you, you still, you can still hear her. So she, (laughs) that's all I can see with the stuff flying around, like, the, our guest. Sorry. (laughs) I can't put that on. Disney is litigious. <laughs> oh no! Uh, okay. Um, Bloopers. Oops. <laughs> so. No, it's okay. So um, yes, yeah, so she she's going to make a very large scene of like drawing her sword, and you know she she yells over the crowd. Um, I accept. <laughs> As though she, you know, right? Like like this is a foregone conclusion. This is going to happen. So she just that's that's what you hear over the over the roar of the crowd. Oh my god. I don't think I need a need any kind of role from you right now because it's code Dwello. Like this is this is your your thing. Like you excel at leveling a challenge that is un un you can't pass it by. You can't deflect it. It's a foregone conclusion. So yeah. We did say there would be a challenge. You sure did. And <laughs> I don't think anybody saw it going this way. Absolutely um, not. No. But what wow. I wanna know is Magpie. While Arcturus has, has stepped aside and is, you know, right now being accosted uh, by a couple of these these dead things who apparently owed him money and he drove them into a beggar's grave, I want to know who it is at this party who is murmuring under their breath as these things are happening at your beautiful Lavelle engagement. Who do you see? Living or dead? I think that this is somebody who's alive, who is being the conduit for all of this unpleasantness. I'm, I'm too afraid to, to tell, but I believe I've heard the voice before. It's the one that I was afraid of most whenever I met him. Sparrow's mentor. Oh no. Oh. Sparrow's mentor. Oh. Sparrow. Sparrow, who did you learn? Who did you learn Nackery from? Who was your mentor? What did you call him? I just called him Mentor, as he preferred to be called. Um, One of his peculiarities is that despite our closeness, he would actually never reveal any information to me about him. He considered it a weakness. I knew he had blood, a daughter or son or someone, but even that I came across by mistake and not really intentionally. I did know that he was one of the most deadly bloodthirsty mercenaries that's often hired by the houses um, in their times of need. So he wasn't Scalum. He was not Scalum Naturalis. No, no, he's not. Yeah, he, he definitely demanded that you call him Doctore, like professor, mentor, master. Yeah, he was, in fact, he wasn't even supposed to be in the Jewel Cities. His presence there was accidental, I think. 
those presents around me was what originally instigated my journey from the pure magics into the more illicit, not so accepted workings within the underworld. And what what does the magpie know about Doctore that uh, Sparrow does not? Why? Why are you so stilled by this person? I, I, I need to ask Sparrow the question first. How old is your mentor? He was... He was around his uh, late forties, I would say, when he he was mentoring me. But like you could have known him before that, for all I know. Oh, I knew him when I was a little girl. I knew him better as Uncle. <sighs> I don't like that. <laughs> Family ties are painful. He had many secrets, and they were all painful. Dark people, Magpie. Yeah. Yeah. You said I came from the twist, right? You sure did. Yeah, absolutely. I should say, even even Sparrow, like even though Sparrow was close, she would not wish any anyone to be like related to this man. <laughs> so he's wearing the uh, the white mask of the Sevenfold Veils right now. He's clad in. Uh, kind of an ostentatious ball outfit, a a robe as befits a knack, but underneath it is almost like a like an opera suit. Uh, something that is clearly like ostentatious and gilt and gold frogging. And then over it this almost drawn over as an afterthought, like this white ash covered robe that has arcane sigils and things of that picked out in uh, in, in kind of silver embroidery. How did we miss him? It looks almost as though this was pulled on as things started going to hell. So he's there, and you can see underneath like this un- impassive mask that ends almost like Phantom of the Opera style around the mouth. You can see he's mouthing something, almost sub-vocalizing, right? And as he's doing so, this thing on the dais is happening. What are you doing? Because Rignol is stepping down to answer a challenge levied by the Nightingale. Sparrow is trying to keep her friend Anisha from being picked apart by the Home Guard. Right now, you're the only one who's got a clear line on this guy. Your uncle. Oh, Magpie. (laughs) Finishing what I should have a long time ago, and I would like to use my specialized gear and extend my hand in a flash, and from my long sleeve appears a kind of extended arm into a hand pistol and make one quick shot. Oh, this is gonna be good. We're gonna get that in just a second because right now we're gonna see if Nightingale can hold her own against a Sorcerer General of the Dread Emperor, piloting a captain of the premier mercenary company in Ilrian. So, what is your fighting style like? Where did you learn to fight? Um, I learned to fight in the bravura. I am a classically trained bravo, as anyone of a noble bloodline should be. Okay, because Rignol learned how to fight on a battlefield. In the pits. There is no, there is no sporting engagement. There is no, uh, there is no classy, you know, um, commonly taught, you know, sportsmanlike engagements, fair play, anything like that. He learned how to kill people with swords, and worse. The thing that is worming around inside the back of his skull learned how to kill people at a thousand paces with a flash of his eyes. 
I am in no way taking this lightly. I, I'm, I'm affecting the appearance of having everything under control, but um, internally there's this little, oh, please hurry. <laughs> oh, oh, I do not want to, yeah. I don't want to fight. Oh no, this is very bad. So I'm really, I'm, I am um, literally, uh, quite literally putting my life in my sister's hands because I know factually that perhaps if, if it was um, just me versus um, him, it could be, I, I could maybe seize an advantage, maybe be a little bit quicker, there, there's a chance there. But I, do, I, I have a very bad feeling about what's happening with the, the extra thing riding him. So I'm, I'm a little terrified internally and I'm hoping that they are able to save my bacon. Okay. So let me tell you where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Renyol is about to decapitate you. Of course he is. Uh, with a single with a single slice of this war sword, he's going to end this paltry breath. Oh yeah, no, I've been, I've been dancing backwards the whole time to try and keep him moving. I'm just letting <laughs> you know. Let's, let's fight over here, this way far away. We're gonna go five miles and then we'll fight. I'm just letting you know that right now, he is an accomplished fencer being mm-hmm. ridden by a sorcerer general. And I'm, I have, I am accepting that gravitas. He is going to deal you level four harm before you can move. So well, I'm resisting that. You're resisting that? Okay. I mean, you can spend special armor. You can you can resist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have tools available to you. But right now, he is about to murder you. Mm-hmm. You can also pray. Um, so I am going to use my special armor here creatively because my special armor allows me to um, deal with obstacles or um, face multiple foes on equal footing. I'm going to count him as two people right now. I think that is perfectly acceptable because you are outnumbered badly mm-hmm. here. It's it's two on one, and neither of them would be fair. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and burn your special armor. We'll make it level three. Mm-hmm. And then I will resist. Okay, resist from there. Uh, it's going to be with body. Mm-hmm. You only okay. take one stress. Uh, you manage to you manage to parry to uh, it's a parry to four. Uh, you open his guard for just a moment, but he's fast. Oh, it's terrifying. And uh, this sword is just dripping this strange blue green fire, just lit from within and just trailing this arc of just this killing fire. You've got a moment to maybe maybe kneecap him or something. Like, you might be able to spoil his mobility, but right now I'm starting an eight-part clock for uh, Renewal. Mm-hmm. He is an eight-part clock. I don't even know folks. what that means, and I'm scared. Not in your face. Eight-part clocks are very large. That means that um, uh, every... So, if I hit with a six... On I, standard. On standard effect which I'm sure I will not have here, uh, I would get three clock ticks. So it, even if I was on standard footing with him, I would have to get three full successes to down him. But remember that a success isn't necessarily a skirmish. You don't have to be in close combat. You could be waiting this guy out, mm-hmm. right? Um, but whatever the case is, he's an eight-part clock. So Renyol is, uh, for the moment, thwarted. What are you doing while, uh, while, while Magpie is lining up her shot on, uh, on dear old uncle? I uncle am... Doctor. <laughs> I am going to a- attempt to buy myself some time with a, a good good disengage to, to kind of get my, my footing here. Um, so I am going to make this a skirmish roll, I think, to try and, and back him up a bit. Um, and it's really, it is very, it's a very defensive move. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily going for blood. I am just trying to put some space and, like, and as I'm doing it, I'm just, Maggie, darling! <laughs> If you could just hurry. Okay. Uh, I will tell you that in this moment you are in a desperate position. Yeah. I will say that you're also going to start with zero effect. Okay. Um, so let me hear a lady's favor to get my... Can I do a flashback into her scenario? Sure. Ooh. 
how are you uh, how are you going to flashback here so give me the exact location of where you said you're fighting him so last last I the way I'm seeing this is he's stepping down from the dais and she's she's backing away mm-hmm. into, uh, the into the dance floor and I assume everyone's just parting and giving wide berth at this point I, I would say right now most people are having troubles with uh, with their own personal demons and mm-hmm. you've got your own and he's got three and a half feet of steel. Uh, so in this in this grand hall, are there wooden beam rafters? Do you need those? I believe so, especially because one of my friends is actually a grand architect that uh, helped give me some plans here. Yeah, I, I would say that if you need them, you have them. So this, this man is my friend. Let me actually get his name. Oh, it's Elijah. Silly me, master architect. So... Elijah was able to tell me that there are panels that go from the roof to these kind of banisters or these bowed, almost like a rib cage in this hall. And so it adds not only to the atmosphere of it, but it also adds firing points where I've asked one of or tried to hire a gun that just in case any one man in particular is an issue that he fire upon them. In trouble and in desperate need, I give a whistle with my right hand while still holding my left hand out, and my hired gun takes shot. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I'm gonna make a acquire asset real quick to see what kind of uh, tier we're working with as far as your gunman, whether um, we got somebody who's real, real good, or if we got somebody who is, um, you know, what you could find. Right. Uh, so just real quick. Actually, why don't you do this? Go ahead and click the roll fortune, roll two dice. Okay, so we have a tier two gunman, which means that uh, you're going to get the assist here. Mm-hmm. It's going to bump you up to standard. Wow. <laughs> Good job. Okay, so up to standard, and let me hear a lady's favor, because I do not want to be shish kebab. Lady's favor here is that... I'm going to say that if you're touched with uh, this Moonfire Blade, that uh, you are going to become possessed. Oh. Oh my. Oh. Oh no. I'm in danger. Oh my goodness. Oh, this is, this is a hard choice. I'm pretty high on stress and I need to be able to resist because this guy's swinging with uh, fatal damage. So I... Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I love you both. If I kill you, I'm so sorry. I'm going to take the lady's favor and hope that I do not miss. Very well. Am I desperate? Desperate standard. Desperate standard. Oh, here it comes. Okay, could have been worse. Yeah, it's not bad. I think what happens here is as you are coming in to kind of give almost like this, this disengage where you parry down the, uh, the sword and like stamp on the blade so he's, you know, fumbling with his sword as you disengage. As you stamp on this blade, like there's a, um, a moment where he like arches upward, and it's almost as if something is puppeting him, and you can see it behind him, and it looks like this probably six and a half foot tall. Reniol is a is a pretty big guy. He's not he's not huge by any stretch, but this thing behind him is massive, and it's got his hands on his shoulders and this flash of fire in his eyes. You are looking at the Deathless, and your muscles freeze. Take level two harm, and I'm going to actually give you a level two harm and a level one harm. Uh, your level one harm is your blood freezing. Your level two harm 
is a nick from that uh, that sword as you stab and it bites through your boot. Okay, I have to resist that uh, thing touching me if I want to not turn around and eat my friends. So let's hope that I roll well. I believe in you. Ooh, ooh, I'm still in the game. Riding on the ragged edge of scandal here. So that that moment where you know you almost jam down on this sword, then you're seeing that moonfire and you kind of dance back instead and you've got just enough space to where his return stroke doesn't doesn't take you. But that's when Magpie is going to be pulling the trigger on this gun, right? Immediately. Okay. What do you think this is? Hopefully going to be pretty badass. Okay. Well, I mean, you've got a concealed weapon. What would work with concealed weapon? Tinker? It's an interesting type of tool. I can see Tinker. I could also see... I can see Hunt here. Uh, you're marking your target, calling and, and trying to murder it. Uh, I could see taking a moment to study, study your aim. I could also see Skirmish here because we are engaging in combat. Uh, I can see Maneuver getting close enough before the untoward happens to your friend here. What do you think this is? Uh, let me look up your definition of survey. You can see survey here. That's, that's quick putting together of details reading the room, reading the ebb and flow of people who are moving in front of your shot until it's just the right moment. I could see survey here. I think it's probably going to be with limited effect, though. I think it's going to have to be survey, just, and it's not just waiting for the right time to shoot. I'm looking for hopefully pulling off that one and done. I'm looking to hopefully hit the center of mass. It's going to be risky. Yes, it is. It's, it's going to be risky and it's going to be limited effect. Now you can push that to desperate standard if you want. If you're willing to take a a bad consequence if it goes poorly, you can trade position for effect here. What's the lady's favor? That's a great question. Uh, I think that whatever he's doing is volatile. So if you down him, there's going to be a surge of magical energy that might be dangerous. Are you willing to take that lady's favor? It's worth a dime. Oh, it certainly is, but... I think this is the matter where Magpie is going to have to choose the many over the one. And so, yes, I'll take it and I'll also push myself. Okay. Sounds good. Oh, I don't like it. All right. So desperate and standard, you said? Desperate standard if you want it or risky limited where you won't make as much progress. It may not do the whole trick, but you might get yourself some breathing room. Which way do you want it? Magpie shoots from the hip and uh, she plays risky. Gotta play even more risky than that. Gotta play desperate. <laughs> okay, it all comes down to this, but there's no pressure. It's fine. <laughs> Alright, so two bonus dice? Yes. Two bonus dice, yes. Okay, it's not bad. So I'm gonna let you know that uh, your shot rings true. Your uncle goes down. As he's going down, He claps a hand to the wound, and what's flowing out of him is sand, not blood. He is beginning to look thin in his clothes, almost as if he's sinking into the floor. Renewal's not stopping. Oh no. (laughs) Unless somebody would like to resist that consequence. Uh, what would it be to resist? Depends. Um, you've got your arcane special armor, if that's something that you're interested in burning. I do. Uh, you could also make a spirit resist here, um, because at this point you are seeing the mojo going down and getting in the way of it before it becomes even worse than it is right now. What do you think this is? 
I suppose it would be more spirit than anything else, considering everything. Very well. In that case, give me a spirit resist. It's okay. It's just a scandal. You won't die here. <laughs> cool. So raw spirit. Tears to fingers crossed. One stress. One stress. You'll be all right. So you take one stress as whatever your mentor is doing. You feel the tugging and the weave, the uh, the the field of magic that just permeates how you experience the world. It's almost like a filter that uh, that you were born with. And other people, it's like describing color. Like you can't can't adequately to people who don't know it, you, you can't adequately describe it. But you've always known it, and you feel almost like a spider in the midst of a web. Like the the tingle, the tug of magic behind you, and almost almost without thinking. You sort of like pass your hand through the air and you sever that strand and instead of dematerializing into sand, Doctore, your mentor, that sand is blood again. And he looks down and no, no. And he's bleeding, mortal in this moment. Magpie, you've, you've struck your uncle. How does that make you feel? Like I just finished business I meant to a long time ago. In this moment, do you wonder how you let it go so long a little bit but there's no time like the present do you um you cross the room to him do you want to hear his final words no but i well yes i will cross the room however i want my words to be the last that he remembers yeah through a mouthful of blood he's in no shape to to get his final words out so what are yours don't you ever forget the flash of white before the magpie takes your life. Reniel sinks to one knee. Oh, thank Christ. The sword clatters out of his hand. He looks down at it as if it's somebody else's, some stranger's hand. The sword becomes a dull green-black length. Still sharp, but slightly dingy now. Almost as if it's a patina. Not some strange alloy that fell to earth. Not something of the Dread Emperors. Renewal looks down at it and then kicks it away. And at this point, the Lady Lavelle begins to clap. Because what else do you do? She rises, you know, as the, as the tornado of food is uh, coming to a close. She looks over at Anisha and she inclines her head, almost as if she understands now. And she addresses the assemblage as the ghosts begin to fade away. Well now... I think that I have had about all of the excitement I can stand. All in all, I believe this is something that will set the tone now that the Lavelle have risen so high. I'm for bed. The rest of you may see yourselves out. And she turns, and the captain of the home guard stands up and takes her arm, her spy mistress walking in her shadow. Everybody sort of, there's a, a tense moment as everybody sort of appears to look each other over, unsure if maybe the drinks were spiked or, or any number of things, but not you. You all know exactly what you managed to stave off. You've got to be feeling pretty good about that, I think. And at this point, I think Blair detaches from the Almari group who are looking over the, uh, the assemblage, and you know, there's some, some folks who are taking to, uh, to moving the uh, Doctore who was gunned down. Blair looks at you and he says, Is it always thus? Oh, it can be contentious. I would like to haggardly or just kind of wipe my brow and 
just walk over to Blair and to Nightingale and just say, You're telling me you haven't snatched her up yet after taking on something like that? Get it together, boy. You may take Blair as your paramour. And I shall. And for the sake of wrapping up the story, I think that I will um, help get some rumors uh, very quickly circulating throughout the room that the challenge that was levied between Corvetto and Almari was a um, very, very clever um, ruse from a third party yet undiscovered um, to try and get their two great houses to um, fight. It's obviously that paved the way for, for their... Now, of course, that puts everyone else in line of fire, but not us. Yeah, I think that it doesn't take much to put two and two together and say, ah, Natalia, playing everyone against each other. Excellently worked. Excellently worked, guys. Oh, boy. That was a stress-heavy adventure. I think we all made it out with one or two stresses. Uh-huh. <laughs> two left. <laughs> well... Very scandalous. Uh, do you guys want to uh, to go through downtime, or would you like to just hear how much XP you guys racked up? I can tell you that payoff for this one is grand. <laughs> I think that uh, we're going to bank favor with both the Houses Major, because um, we staved off uh, an assassination attempt upon the Houses Major. We've also managed to stave off a, uh, a plot. So the Mercies and the Scullum Naturalis uh, we are owed favors from. We're going to take 10 influence to uh, move amongst ourselves. We can put that into our status, which is kind of like how important we are and how we can uh, can kind of throw our weight around. Um, We can use that to buy effects as we do downtime activities and things like that. We can buy extra downtime activities with it. Helpful little currency. Um, And then we're also going to uh, take a little bit of exposure. I will say that we've got six exposure that we got from this particular errand because no good deed goes unpunished. There's a, there's tongues that will wag. Not everybody's thrown off the trail as far as like it being a battalia plot. But overall, very well handled. Oh, I'm sweating. Oh, my stars and goddess. Good lord. Yeah, that is going to be That was amazing. Throw fun parties. That was so much fun. Okay. Uh, here's what we'll do. We'll, uh, we'll run through our questions real quick to see how much experience we banked as a house. We'll see how much we, uh, we banked as uh, members of the Coterie. And then if we're feeling it, we can do downtime or we can just say that we had a great time and we can talk about Court of Blades again. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think? Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> Outstanding. Let's do the house first. Mm-hmm. We serve House Lavelle, which means that my first question is, did we Overcome a challenge using secrets or discernment? I would say both in spades. There were many secrets, there was much discernment. Yeah. <laughs> I think the secrets led to discernment, maybe, if that's how we're looking at it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely it did. Um, if we could take those twice, we would. Yeah, I know. We, we are capped at, at four experience for the house and for each, uh, each, each player, mm-hmm. um, unless we get uh, the upgrades that give us extra XP, but this is a one-shot, so... We didn't take those because we wanted other fun toys instead. Okay, did we contend with challenges above the Coterie Station? I almost there... got murdered. You did. Um, there was a little bit of that. Were there challenges for everybody else that were above our station or felt impossible and perilous? I definitely think so. I think that applied to all three of us. <laughs> um, it wasn't great seeing dear old uncle or mom again. No, I can't imagine it would, yeah. 
yeah, uncle and mom. Who's next, dad and like auntie? <laughs> I'll tell you guys that you you <laughs> are you are by virtue of serving the sixth house of the Esoteri, tier two. You are uh, you're formidable, but the sevenfold veils are tier four. Renewal's rovers are tier four. All of the other houses are tier three or four, except for Battalia, but they weren't there. They were tier five. Um, so. Yes, you definitely contended with uh, challenges above your station. Did we bolster our, our, our reputation as a coterie or develop a new one? Did we strike everybody as loyal tonight? I feel like we did everything to protect the house, especially either shouting that there was poison in the wine or planning to make sure that there wasn't. Yeah, I think that uh, loyalty to the house was certainly never in question. What I was most... Um, delighted to see was how much loyalty to each other there was uh, every time I picked and I was picking at scabs trying to uh, trying to see if there were hurt feelings or any kind of you know I know there was a rivalry but there was never any like ill will that I felt and you guys were loyal to each other so definitely a mark there did we express our goals drives inner conflict and the essential nature of our coterie <laughs> did we I think that was an inevitable consequence of <laughs> I think so <laughs> I think so, absolutely. I think we get all four. I think we got all four for House Level tonight. Yay. Excellent. I think we nailed it. Yeah, that's... Okay, so a little bit of inside baseball here. Um, all of the, the experience triggers are devised in such a way that uh, they promote uh, interaction between the characters and kind of playing into the archetype and the, the sort of um, way that our house that we serve sort of... Um, engages with the great game of Ilrian, uh, and you guys nailed it, like all down the board, um, everything there. So I'm going to, for the sake of ease, Kalisto, do you want to be next? So you show them, how, uh, show them how XP works? Mm-hmm. Okay. Your XP triggers are violence and panache, right? There was much violence, there was much panache. I think I issued every challenge I possibly could have, and then I also had to fight for my life. You sure did, so that's, uh, that's two right there. Mm-hmm. Did you express your beliefs, drives, heritage, or background? Heritage came through very, very clearly as an Ilrian. When the ghost started reaching through the floor, it was unusual, but she didn't lose her cool, um, even though she she's, of course, superstitious, so she was prepared for ghosts. And when they appeared, it was like, that's unpleasant, but I expected it, so... Sure. What I really liked was that, uh, that you went ahead and handed me the ammunition. I studied at the Bravora. I learned the sporting engagements, I learned the courtly manner of, of dueling, and I got to pitch you against a soldier, and mm-hmm. you acquitted yourself very well. So apparently the system works. Did you struggle with any issues from your scandal? Uh, I was your, not scandalized, so I had no issues with scandals. That's okay. That's okay. We, That's... Get, we get experience for playing into our scandals and, uh, and living that life where everybody's constantly under a microscope, and anytime you have a scandal, things like... Um, you know, faithless or uh, wicked or anything like that, like your your reputation, when you play into that, then you get experience for it. And if it makes your life difficult, you get experience for that. Uh, cool, so three for the night. Three for me. All right, Ada, Sparrow. Yes. Your triggers are arcane knowledge and power. Did you do anything with arcane knowledge or power? Uh, power, I would say definitely with that whole whirlpool of like the tornado. Arcane knowledge is a bit of a harder one. If I were to push it, I suppose it did help on occasion, especially during the party, to determine what was going on, both before and afterwards. My thought is how 
how much background you had with the sevenfold veils and your ability to use that to our advantage. So that's that's the uh, I'm not I'm not supposed to argue for you. That's that's supposed to be you <laughs> making your case to me. But this is your first time playing. You didn't know that, so I'm going to go ahead and argue for you. Okay. I was going to say his ghost too, Pietro. Oh yeah. Oh my God, Pietro! I completely forgot about Pietro. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Arcane knowledge is definitely in play. Well spotted. Cheers. Did you expl- express your beliefs, your drives, your heritage, and your background? Was there ever any point that the fact that you were Jewel Cities, that you were an academic, that uh, that you know the thing that drives you, any of that come to the fore? Uh, the time, the the most obvious situation that comes to mind is when I chose to not take the sword and instead go for Anisha, yeah, Anisha, yeah. Um, in terms of my beliefs and my preferences and stuff. I don't think I had a situation wherein I had to bring in my... What were what all five again? So your beliefs, your drives, your heritage, and your background. Yeah, I don't think heritage and background particularly played a core aspect in, in the story. So this trigger is what we call roleplay bait. Right. If, uh, if you if you roleplayed as your character, if you, were, uh, if you were playing Ada, if you were playing Sparrow, you're probably going to hit this trigger. And I think you did. Okay, <laughs> sorry, it's a bit, uh, yeah, gotcha. It's okay, that's why I'm here. We, we wrote the game, me and, uh, me and Navi, so uh, <laughs> I'm here to argue on your behalf. Much obliged. And did you struggle at all with, uh, with your indulgence or your uh, scandal today? Uh, I'm just thinking back. I don't think so. I could be wrong. What about um, being in the... Uh, in the, the twist and running down those leads, your your indulgence is getting getting arcane stuff, isn't it? Yeah, so I did struggle in actually getting through that situation. No, you're right, yeah. So I'll tell um, you that poison plot only came about because you went and accepted that lady's favor. So yeah, I'd say a little bit inside baseball again, you struggled with your indulgence. Yup. <laughs> I suppose actually the so whole like... Yeah, choosing between the dagger and Anisha also comes into that again because Arcane and yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that's fair. Go ahead and take four for the night. And then we're to the magpie. Magpie. Hello. Your XP triggers are expertise and calculation. Was there expertise? Was there calculation? Straight from Alicia, my diplomat, to making deals with Elijah. Yeah, I think uh, I think your expertise in knowing exactly the right tool for the job, knowing uh, who you can reach out to, I'm I'm going to give you two for that the uh, the expertise and the calculation. What about your beliefs, your drives, your heritage, and your background? Ooh, I believe my background was brought up since I'd mentioned the twist, the legend of the magpie. Uh, my beliefs, I'd mentioned, I wanted that damn dagger just my indulgence but it got in the way and i never got it i'm gonna tell you right now that there's actually a um an alchemical creation uh that in our Ah. under the crafting items there is a dagger that is made of condensed poison and you just have to stir a drink with it and the dagger vanishes and that also does that when you stab someone it vanishes so there is no murder weapon that's amazing. That is called a quickling dagger. And uh, I'm sorry, I had to take it from you. That's understandable. At least I had my fake poison that paid off. Uh, did you struggle at all with your with your indulgences? I mean, we had the dagger, right? Do you think that that, that, was, uh, that was difficult enough? 
keep your magpie's gaze turned elsewhere while I was hurting other people? I think the other one was that just I had to follow up on Nightingale's challenges, and I think it meant for some wonderful role-playing. I agree with that. I'm going to give you a fourth one for that, for sure. All right. Well, that ends the errand phase. That ends experience points. Um, now, if this were a longer-running game, we have an entirely different system that, uh, that we kind of go into now with downtime actions. Where I would go and try to alleviate some of our exposure by um, mea culpa-ing to the Dead Watchers because that is their purview. Yep, but there's there's a lot of that. There's <laughs> intrigues that we would uh, we would begin to undertake to undercut our rivals. We'd find out what and our healing, rivals were doing, healing, healing uh, indulging um, to pay down our stress debt. Because if you don't spend a downtime action to get your stress back, you don't get your stress back. So I there's... think we could let Nightingale de-stress now that she has a paramour, and Sparrow and I can go say sorry in glad hand. Ooh la la. <laughs> Ooh la la, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a whole other uh, subsection of the game that unfortunately requires long-term play, so you're going to have to come back and play with us again. Definitely. Yeah? Outstanding. Um, okay, so this has been one of the most fun nights of gaming I think I can recall in recent memory, so... Same. It's, it's been a blast. I guess we'll, we'll just um, close out here uh, by saying that we've got our Kickstarter running. Um, by the time this episode drops, we should hopefully be funded. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. I'm sure you will. Honestly, it's an amazing game. It's a, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, tell us about your Kickstarter. Where can we find you? Yeah, so you can find us on, on Kickstarter. We are Quarter Blades, a uh, tabletop role-playing game, power politics, uh, gunpowder diplomacy, renaissance magic, and romantic skullduggery. We're going to be uh, on Kickstarter from the 27th of April to the 21st of May. Um, this is a Forge in the Dark game. Uh, as you guys have heard, it is striking a fun balance between mechanics and narrative roleplay. It's got a lot of room to stretch out. It's a fun system to work with. It shares a lot of the, uh, the GM burden and world building, as you probably heard. And it really just kind of hits the sweet spot for us. And we hope you guys enjoy it. Navi, you have anything else you want to say about the game? Oh, goodness. Um, I suppose I would throw in that for anyone who is familiar with Forge in the Dark games, where ours differs a bit is that it's built for campaign length play. So some of the things that you guys didn't get to see is um, we have social seasons in Illyrian and how you um, how much you accomplish during a social season really dictates how your house advances throughout the city. And you are in a in a um, sort of a, a competition to climb to the top because you want your house to be elevated to the first uh, the first house of the city to hold that first seat and you start at the very bottom so it's a very long and slow process that requires you to really build up a lot of relationships and make a lot of enemies um, so one shots are really fun and um, it's really stripped uh, really stripped down um, without all the long-term play but the game typically is played over about 30 to 40 sessions and pursuant to that end the the complexity of Ilrian is constantly evolving there are actually all of these these factions all the major houses in particular have their own system that the GM goes back uh, we roll four dice we, uh, we figure out what those houses are up to, and then the players can kind of get embroiled in all of these various intrigues back and forth. So while the one-shot shows a little bit of the complexity, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the mechanical oomph is kind of hidden behind the, the social seasons, uh, wherein you're finding all kinds of 
competing factional goals and the city is always evolving and we've done everything from Robin Hood type games where we are undercutting the, uh, the, the competition and trying to usher in a new era of equality to also just burning down our competition and salting the earth and everywhere in between. So it's uh, it's got a lot of breadth and depth and legs. So we love it and we hope you guys do too. That's awesome. Thank you so much again for joining us, uh, both of you and also Matthew, you as well. This is, this is truly amazing, brilliant, and yeah. This has been Don't Forget Your Towel podcast. Yes, I love it. I'm just going to use that now. <laughs> If you like what you hear, please connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at DFYT underscore podcast, on Facebook at Don't Forget Your Towel Podcast, and through email at dfytpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a few dollars to spare and you've been liking what you hear, please consider donating to us on Patreon. But if you don't have a few dollars to spare, that's all good too. Just keep listening and like or review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Every single rating goes a long way to helping us increase our reach and to share the RPG love. Till next time, keep your towels at the ready.